Testing. Welcome, listeners, thinkers, friends. We are so excited to present our inaugural episode of the Where is the Nuance podcast. Um, Before we jump into today's topic, why don't we just take a moment to let the listeners know who we are and why we decided to start this podcast. So who are you, my mysterious, beautiful (laughs) co-host? Well, I'm your wife, for one, which still feels foreign to say. We've been married a few months um, after four very didactic years of long distance. Um, but my name is Fee or Fiona. I'll give you the illusion of option around what you call me, but no one outside of my family really calls me um, anything except Fee. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, one of the most livable cities, I might say. Um, consecutive years <laughs> in a row and I was raised there by Greek parents um, whose parents themselves my Yaya and Papu immigrated to Australia in the 1960s with thousands of other Mediterraneans I'm incredibly proud of both aspects of my cultural identity as a Greek Australian who now finds themselves in Brooklyn New York um, and because of this I'm, I'm really challenged by this new cultural environment I'm challenged to bring elements of um, other cultural environments that I've been a part of up until now so I'm really interested in these ideas of of culture and how that manifests differently different places in the world I'm a really big believer in the necessity of travel and I mean and engaging in the arts particularly as a as a method of educating ourselves and expanding our minds and our hearts and that ultimately comes back to the fact that I'm a teacher which is something I'm really proud to say is my vocation I've wanted to be a teacher since I was 10 years old and never really shook that dream it just became more and more apparent to me that it was the best job in the world and as I've finished my university degree in education and in um, arts I've just seen more and more how powerful a space it is to work in. I'm really passionate about teenagers who are the age group that I teach. And I think because of that, I'm really interested in how education can empower us, how important literacy is. I'm an English teacher, so the way that literature can give us tools to, to see the world Um, differently to navigate our identity and our belonging um, is a massive massive passion of mine and in particular just critical thinking skills and um, especially around media media literacy is something that I see a really big need for not just in the teenagers that are in my classrooms but in my peers and in the adults that I rub shoulders with every day and that'll definitely make its way into my perspectives um, in this podcast and apart from that uh, when I'm not teaching in my spare time I'm a writer I'm a poet I'm a creative who unfortunately cannot stop having ideas and it keeps me up at night a lot of the time so I always have a notepad next to my bed so I can wake up and scribble things down um so all of these kind of comprise the the most important parts of my identity and what i 
and bringing to the table throughout my life I've always really believed in finding and building and investing in having a diverse community around you and I'm really proud um, to say that that's what I have in my life and I've learned so much from the beautiful community that I have and I want to make space for them in my perspectives so those are all the elements that I plan to bring to the table here at where is the nuance podcast Mm. what about you who are you over there Mm. who am I um loving (laughs) gracious illustrious (laughs) praiseworthy (laughs) husband of fee um Mm. No, I, uh, to give a bit about my background, uh, I was born and raised in Maryland, uh, right outside of the D.C. area. I've lived in New PG York, County. PG County, uh, I've lived in New York for the past seven years. Uh, I moved here right after I graduated from college uh, to work on Wall Street um, as an investment analyst at a hedge fund. And I only say that to, to make the point that my identity um, has been largely shaped by the diverse spaces that I have either been forced to occupy or that I've I've willingly um, chosen to occupy throughout my life. Growing up as a black kid in, a, in mostly all black spaces in PG County, um, and then going to college, um, getting a master's degree, um, and then you know in my workspace which have all been white dominated spaces has been confronting in many ways, but ultimately I feel like it's given me a a greater and kind of more nuanced perspective and understanding and exposure to the world than perhaps many of the people that, that I grew up with would have. And so as a result, where I sit within the socio-political conversation or sphere is, is at a place of, understanding and the understanding that that comes from having traversed through so many different diverse spaces in my life and so the main thing that that my experience has taught me um is that the the sort of us versus you or me versus you dialogue that i think the media um promotes um is extremely destructive um and i and i truly believe that if you were to take two people two completely different sides of the spectrum who disagree on 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 many things and you really dug deep and and peeled back the layers beyond just the superficial um, disagreement and you got to the core of their experiences and and what forms those opinions i truly believe that that we'd be able to find commonality and we'd have a bit more understanding of each other and and realize that someone who disagrees with you isn't quote-unquote bad in the same way that someone who agrees with you is in quote unquote good. Mm. Well, what a man. <laughs> How did I land this guy? <laughs> now, um, Chris, it's been some time since we conceived this idea, since we conceived the idea to create this podcast. I believe it was after a decent amount of red wine in Florence on mm-hmm. one of our trips, November 2021. Could you explain? to our listeners what we're kind of contending with at this point in time that led us to to this idea yeah no i definitely can the red wine gives me uh bad memories from from pandemic time but <laughs> yeah we well, know it was 
you're right, right in the middle of November 2021, kind of the midst of the pandemic, um, where border closures, you know, particularly in Australia, which impacted us um, in a very deep way, um, kept us away from each other for 10 months. Um, you know, the discourse around COVID was extremely polarizing and, and a better word for it was just extremely toxic. Um, there was an unusual amount of vitriol directed at people who had traveled. Um, so me and you. <laughs> um, and so ultimately, we, we just felt that COVID was sort of the catalyst um, for the podcast because the conversation around it was just so, so polarized. But we started to think about other topics that were extremely polarizing and we said, hey, like, what if we could create a place where people could share their views that were like diametrically opposed, but come to some sort of commonality and some sort of agreement? Mm, yeah, exactly. And primarily what we want our listeners to privilege above all is is empathy. That's where this was born from, a desire to be empathized with as the people that a situation was affecting maybe disproportionately at that point in time um, but also to never kind of have that reflex to choose judgment as our as your first action on another person or a situation or a topic without stopping to really ask ourselves if we would like to be treated that same way so it's really important that we declare our intentions here in this unique auditory space um, so that you know as listeners what you're getting yourselves into and what our expectations are that we're really here to just very slowly unpack and analyze topics from multiple angles to allow history to guide us experts to influence us um, to allow silenced voices to be heard things that we just don't believe are done enough in our society and we'd really like to champion here so with that said let's jump into our first topic what is it yeah so yeah if you're still on board with us here <laughs> um our official episode one season one uh topic is entitled celebrities do they owe us their morality could you get could you give a few words on kind of where we're going um how this came to be yeah, so I think everybody listening could probably relate to the following scenario. You're on social media, you're hanging out with friends, chatting, and then suddenly a headline kind of takes center stage um, in that social interaction, it interrupts your reality. Someone says, oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so, you know, insert celebrity did this or this happened or this came out and it's such a commonplace phenomenon to us, some type of scandal breaking that centers around a choice that a celebrity made, a secret that had been revealed from their past, something, you know, it could be up until 10 or 20 years earlier, but it's just emerged. Something from their private life has been unearthed and has entered public knowledge. And you just see consequently this barrage of reporting that comes after it on commenting and uh just tearing apart this very personal kind of situation this coming and going of what a celebrity a celebrity's private life has entailed and now 
it's kind of out there in the public for everybody to comment on and deconstruct. Um, and the aftermath of, of the situation of deconstructing that, that occurrence, we just see that most people are so comfortable with this kind of situation that you wouldn't even see someone bat an eye anymore. And what we really want to do here is kind of remind ourselves that just because somebody is in the public eye, that's not necessarily justification for the commentary that always follows. So we want to center this cultural norm and just make sure that our approach to it is as human and nuanced as it possibly can be. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you just said, like the basis of everything we do is, is starting with um, the understanding that everything is nuanced um, because yeah, the, the baseline thought is really anything but that. And so as it relates to, to, to this topic, I believe that, you know, the, the kind of prevailing narrative um, is that, you know, celebrity exists on this spectrum of being either 100% you are a holistically good person, a good, you know, valuable contributor to society, or you're, you know, pure evil and un unworthy of influence. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, wanted to start with just a little bit uh, of a historical perspective and, and going back to, you know, I, you know, I am a research analyst and uh, I'm a researcher. And so just kind of going back to, to those analyst roots, I just wanted to sort of create a timeline to help answer the question of, how did we get here? Um, and so, I, you know, we get to this starting point where we transition from, you know, traditional notoriety to what we would today call, quote unquote, fame. Um, and so I think the, the, the concept of fame has been around for, for quite a bit of time. You know, you could even date it back to ancient philosophers, Plato, Socrates, um, you could even go as far back as biblical times, right? I would say people like Jesus Christ would have been considered to be famous um, or Abraham, you know, the father of the three Abrahamic uh, religions. So, you know, fame in and of itself is not a new concept, but the difference uh, between those ancient times um, is that people primarily became well-known for either inventions or significant contributions um, to the way that society functioned or, or operated, right? So whether that was the creation of thought-provoking artwork, um, the expression of a new school of thought, innovative improvements um, that, that, you know, completely changed the way people live their lives. My point is, is that fame was primarily a result of some kind of material benefit that people were providing to humanity as a whole. Um, the second thing is that fame largely wasn't attained until after a person died. And I think that's a really, really interesting and crucial point because if you weren't gonna become famous until after you died, then there was no reason to pursue fame uh, in and of itself while you were alive, right? Like fame was generally f kind of accidentally found or given to you in the pursuit of some greater cause but just some 
you know, greater kind of belief that you wanted to enact on the world. Um, and so I'm going to, you know, suggest that the, the, the moment that we go from people sort of finding fame or fame being hoisted upon them because of what they contributed to people just pursuing fame in and of it itself has a lot to do um, with one particular revolutionary invention. Ooh, can I guess? <laughs> yes. What, what would you guess? Pick me, pick me. No, um, <laughs> is it the printing press? Bingo. It is the printing press. Um, yeah, we have really the printing press in 1500s. I could be completely wrong. I think it was sometime in the 1500s. Um, but, but that's what we really have to thank for, you know, what the media is now. And, and it was the first time, you know, in our society that information could be spread to vast amounts of people in a very short amount of time. Printing pests coincided with higher literacy rates. Um, so now, you know, f where fame before was usually just confined to people's like small towns and villages, now with the printing pests, uh, people's accomplishments, people's names, people's faces can spread widely. People have immediate access to information. There's more competition for whose ideas are better. And so that's where we get this idea of now self-promotion comes into play because there's so much competition. Now my ideas have got to be more grandiose than, than the next person. So no longer are you just the big fish in the small town of your own you know, small society. Now you're competing with different villages and different regions. Um, and so, it, again, it goes back to this idea of, of, of self-promotion. Mm. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about this is it allows for, you know, the printing press creates this physical external representation. You've got people's thoughts or photographs printed on, on paper. So it's an external representation of what for the longest time were mostly internally held beliefs. You could feel a certain way about something, but nobody can quote you on that. Whereas now there are newspapers. So we've got beliefs that are expressed on a really small local scale now going out to entire cities or countries. And you could have a teenager who was previously living in London, super oblivious under a particular ruler or monarch who believed a certain reality about their life. And they would never have any clue of the mindset of someone beyond number one, their own class, you know? So if you were um, somebody who maybe had the privilege of having a high school education at that point, you were literate, but you didn't have the money to ever leave your city. If you could read, you could read a newspaper or a letter or a book from somebody who was in a different, you know, continent to you. So you're able to connect with somebody way outside of your local region and even people's own race people for the longest time even now they still live in quite closed exclusive communities but with the written word we have access to people that are different to us that are expressing views that otherwise we would never you know physically be able to internalize and hear in conversation out there in the world so this holds while this does hold great potential positive potential it also introduces conflict it introduces competing belief systems and people suddenly have to contend with 
uh, a competitive, a competitive kind of ideology between the worldview that they have always held and then others that maybe they haven't been aware of up until that point um, because they lived around people that would that were like them and shared their views so it's it's quite a confronting situation and it was a, definitely a cultural a cultural change in history um, from small scale to large scale to introducing this idea of, of globalization and of the media mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, where does that lead us today, right? So we've kind of gone through the historical analysis. Um, Where does that leave us now? Like how how has this sort of uh, idea of celebrity infiltrated um, where we are, you know, in 2023? I think it leads us to quite a slippery slope. That's where we find ourselves. We we don't necessarily appreciate the notable people in our life, in our kind of celebrity sphere um, for, for what they offer to us, but more so who they are. And this invention of the printing press and this cultural shift introduced a shift in, uh, in fame. And instead of people, um, you know, being, being, valued for what they offer the world instead people themselves become the commodity to be exploited and their lives become our source of entertainment Um, and this is how we now view celebrity in the modern cultural context no longer do you need to be highly educated or particularly skilled to capture the public's attention instead we have this almost instantaneous kind of reaction to celebrity your fame can be made in a 10 second tiktok it can also be broken in a 10 second tiktok um whereas well-known influential people in centuries gone by had their whole life's work that spoke for them and represented who they are we just have such a completely different scale and metric system for this and i think the the pace this rapid response to someone's representation of who they are on you know, a social media app or just news in general, which is still very fast-paced. It's become why entertainment is at the centre of the conversation mm. when it comes to celebrity now. It's how how fascinating is somebody? How What's the shock value here? Mm. Yeah, and, and but not only entertainment. Like it, it seems like there's an underlying pressure to reflect cultural values too, Um and, and this can accelerate or decelerate the process. Mm, for sure. I really doubt whether Socrates or Thomas Edison's private life was ever the topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it certainly didn't disqualify what they offered to the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was completely irrelevant. What you know, Thomas Edison's sexual orientation was, he created electricity. Like, that's... We, we love, we love that. <laughs> yeah. However, now we find ourselves at a really different crossroads and people, yeah, the people that we now select to kind of uplift, um, well, it's, it's really important that beyond that contribution, whether even if, if it's their appearance, the brands that they promote, 
in addition to that, they really have to align with current cultural trends and values and whatever it's it's really important whatever is important to viewers at that point in time is reflected if a celebrity is not also embodying those values and those trends then their influence is not guaranteed Mm. it's actually it's in doubt it's in question Mm. and i don't i don't think we really acknowledge that outright enough yeah so a question on that um it sounds like what you're saying is that where we've naturally evolved to is we hold people in the public sphere to a much higher standard um you know to to basically what we perceive as the greater good so you know not only is it enough that you have a particular talent or a skill that we value or a prowess in some area but we also want you to be um, a good person like whatever that means and however each individual defines that um, in the cultural context of of you know the day we're defining it you know what 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 potential good do you think um, has arisen from from any of this and is there a potential or have we taken it too far or is there potential to for it to be taken too far mm, I think that's a really good question has there been any good that comes from it for me i think it's really hard to look past that word good when the western media in particular's idea of good is like you said it's so subjective it depends on who the the listener or the audience is whether they interpret it as good so for the most part i think the media is quite a liberal space that keeps far away from the concept and the term of of morality yet i find it confusing that we're in this place where it's very common to assess every celebrity alongside this idea of of right and wrong alongside these lines of almost trying to to make sure that this person is deserves their platform or deserves to be a celebrity based on the way that they're living their life and if yeah if those align with a certain set of values but like what's the point of that what is the value in that it's very hard for me to believe when it comes to the media that it has anything to do with the celebrity at all it has anything to do with this idea of good um if we're at this place in human history where we're consuming people for them then we have to ask ourselves like what do we what does our consumption reflect about who we are or what to put it really simply like a a common saying if you're if you are what you eat then what celebrities are you eating <laughs> and and who are you as a result of that you know what i mean like it's not a it's not yeah about the common good it's about what who you like says about you in a way sounds like you're giving a lesson in projection 101 um yeah i mean when i look at when i look at the celebrities that we get like very outspoken about 
about condemning or lifting up and cancel culture. I think it has less to do with your own opinion about whether somebody, you know, deserves a career or not versus how you believe you should be positioning yourself in order to be aligned with what's uh, culturally relevant and moral um, at the time. Hence why, and we won't go into specifics, there's celebrities who have been known to be doing the things that they've been doing for 20, 30 plus years. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden in 2023, we decide that, you know, that, they, that that's wrong. I think it has less to do with, I think that we think we're a lot more like morally righteous than, than we really are and has more to do with cultural influence and dynamics than, than we want to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if we if we take it from that top level of that larger manifestation of society, which we see as being represented through the media, which essentially is a business, and we take it down to the human level of you and I, I'd be very surprised whether we can maintain those same standards, right? If any of us were to go back into our Facebook timeline or, God forbid, our MySpace timeline and read where, in our own words, where we stood on an issue of the past and then, you know, asked if we would, if we would back our own selves up today, I can't be sure that I would stand by the way that I used to see and think and express my position in the world. So why are we holding celebrities to these to these same standards? These strangers that have a that are in the spotlight um, and have failed the same test that that we would fail. You know, the types of things that I myself might joke about a few years ago the types of memes that I might laugh at or repost and reshare, I absolutely would not stand by them today. And I can I can be a big enough person to admit that. And I think it's really important to hold that at the center of our perspective when we make that decision about judging another person. It doesn't matter if they're um, a friend, a colleague or a celebrity or a billionaire to be honest they're a human being and if you yourself would be cancelled then then why are you trying to cancel someone else oh yeah and make no mistake about it if we did what you said and when if we all dug you know deep enough into the archives like we would all be cancelled you know just save for the fact that we're not celebrities but um we would all be victims of cancel culture, which I, which is why I think it's very dangerous to be so dogmatic about um, these kinds of things, about who deserves our attention, uh, why or why they don't deserve it without really putting ourselves in, in their shoes. Mm, absolutely. If it's all about, it's about what, why we created this podcast, right? We want to lead with empathy. And if we're able to lead with empathy, it will shift these conversations that we have, you know, in our everyday life and that have just become so commonplace because it allows us to have a stronger foundation of assurance about who we are and what we stand for when we're able to yeah, say that 
we would treat another person how we would want to be treated and it reduces that the level of judgment and that type of quibbling that we're doing over these strangers so you did ask me before if I think that any good has come from the shift in our attitudes towards famous people and I think there's a really important distinction I'd like to make between cancelling celebrities and speaking truth to power um a fascinating recent example of this I think was the the social media discourse around the British monarchy and all the events that have come out of that space recently whether it's Queen Elizabeth's death R.I.P. Queen Lizzie or Prince and Harry's experiences that have come out to the forefront I think in the past our parents generation in particular wouldn't have the language or the eyes to kind of see to see that situation through the lens of hierarchies of power you wouldn't you didn't really hear anybody above the age of 50 give their commiserations to Queen Elizabeth's death um, without like they they acknowledged her for the principles that she embodied that were really important a couple generations ago that nobility those Christian values whereas for millennials we were able to kind of acknowledge that she contributed to genocide across the earth and the British Empire was responsible for a lot of blood spilt and a lot of negative consequences that we're still trying to deal with today. So we're in this age where when a prince, you know, somebody who's in the the royal family comes out and says, this is how me and my black wife were treated we've got support we've got this understanding that this level of society this level of fame it's not even fame it's power that these people wield well they're we're not going to let them get away with certain things anymore and I think that that's a really positive thing that has arisen out of this transition in in history with the media so but I think that that, that's a really big there's a really big difference between that between holding a person with influence and power accountable for contributing to systems of inequality versus wishing for the demise of a famous person because we find out that they're fallible we find out about their failures would you agree yeah I would agree and I think you you worded that um really eloquently like the difference between yeah, holding people accountable for, what did you say, uh, enabling systems mm. of inequality versus just getting angry and outraged at somebody um, mm. out of a sense of perceived moral duty to do so. Um, and so, yeah, I think we the key mm. is like being careful how far we take it, right? Um, Speaking of famous people's failures, I know there's a certain famous person that you <laughs> that you feel particularly passionate about when it comes to this conversation around cancel culture. <laughs> Would you have the courage to venture there? <laughs> Do I have the courage? Um, yeah. In the same way that you made a caveat, um, yeah, I wanted to put my own rebuttal out there when it comes to, yeah, completely discounting the, the place that celebrities have uh in our culture the impact they've made on our on our culture and um how we do create a personalization between our lives and these figures and i actually i understand it i get it um i thought i would use kanye west uh (laughs) to talk about this 
um, because obviously everybody in my life knows that I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and I'll be brief because this isn't a, a podcast about my life uh, story, but I think my perspective um, as being a black male is extremely important to this conversation because I, I get and I understand that when you're underrepresented in the media and then a celebrity comes along who looks like you and um, reminds you that it's okay to be you, um, it can become very emotional, like your relationship with that with that person. And so when the person does something that's wrong, um, people become you know genuinely hurt and offended. Um, Kanye is obviously somebody who um, has been deemed very problematic. Um, and I don't really need to, you know, explain, um, but for the sake of podcasting, uh, you know, I'll, I'll explain kind of my, my relationship to Kanye. And so I just remember being a little black boy at one point and feeling like, uh, black culture and black people, black individuals were put into a very restrictive little box of what it means to be quote unquote black, right? Because of the lack of you know real media representation in movies and music so for kids like me who didn't live the life of a jay-z or a 50 cent but really liked rap there was definitely this outsider feeling like you didn't belong and kanye was the first representation of an alternate black experience um you know who made it okay for uh, a black kid to not have lived the and no res- disrespect to any of those guys but a black kid who didn't grow up um, you know, selling drugs, who grew up middle class and made it okay for black men to be artistic into fashion a little bit weird. And I think that made me and a lot of black men in particular feel very empowered at a time that was very restrictive for black culture. And so, you know, bearing that in mind, while also uh, denouncing many of the things Kanye said and done um, as, as wrong, and rightly so, And so I don't feel the need to defend my enjoyment of Kanye's music or my appreciation for his fashion or what he's done for the culture. But as I thought about it longer, like people really do use their extremely tangential association with these celebrities as some kind of political or moral statement, as if making the choice to not listen to or to not partake in someone's art makes you some sort of good person or for example you know the people who have to make a huge uh you know statement out of saying they only listen to independent artists rather than pop artists on the billboard 100 like that somehow makes you uh, a man or a woman of the people (laughs) and so ultimately it goes back to your, your point of people want to be associated with what or who society deems as good and disassociated with what or who society deems as bad. And so the choice of of whose art I support um, is a pretty easy representation to the world of who I am as a person. Um, And I understand people may say, if someone's done something good or bad, we should withdraw support. The thing is, I think that internally we need to be... uh, very vigilant about examining the hypocrisy in that statement yeah i think people should ask themselves as soon as they kind of make a confident statement assessing um, somebody in the public eye if they would have that same reaction 
and distance themselves from somebody who is in their life, whether it's a friend, a family member, or most importantly, themselves? Would you be as quick to cut off people in your own life that you know are problematic? That you can actually see the impact of their behavior versus a celebrity whose um, behavior you'll never kind of feel the consequences of and you'll never meet them. So whenever we see outrage at a celebrity, there's a danger for, that we're all in, that it can become hypocritical and even arrogant to think that if everything we've done were put on display, there would be no blemishes. Facts B. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page. I think we, we've reached the nuance. What do you think? I think so. I think that uh, seems like a good place to end it. What about you? Yes. Our first episode. We thank you so much for joining us. We would love if you followed our Instagram at where is the nuance and let us know what you thought of today's episode, any suggestions for future episodes, any well, you want the smoke, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you can you can DM us and Chris will respond <laughs> if you'd like yeah. to continue the conversation. No, yeah, no, it's me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye.